0: Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Brusky from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to, probably on a regular basis. So, if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support.
1: It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at Real Ghost Stories online.com
0: your support is what keeps our show going plus we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of real ghost stories online jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in and exclusively for EPPs more than 30 full episodes
1: Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air.
0: Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or
1: write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: Tonight, could a traumatic brain injury at a young age be the reason for a man's voices in his head? The story makes you question if there's something more going on. While well, visiting a small graveyard in Texas, a listener shares an odd experience that happened when he touched a headstone. And a healthcare worker shares a series of inexplicable occurrences that surrounded a dying resident. And remember when you were young and felt immortal? Well, a listener shares about her brother and a friend that may be just that. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again. Hi. Hi. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I am doing well. I'm excited about the stories tonight. This looks very interesting. I also have that uh, article ready to talk about the exploding head syndrome we were talking about the other day. Okay. Uh, that story from uh, from CBS News. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. and uh, Just how common of an occurrence that seems to be.
1: Is that fairly recent that they did that? Uh, this was published,
0: uh, yeah, March 31st. Okay. So, yeah, last week. But yeah. Yeah, this the other day. So uh, Interesting story. Stuff. We'll talk about that. It's just interesting to see that in uh, you know, kind of the, the mainstream news. So That's, of course, your call, stories, all that here at Real Ghost Stories Online. The phone number is 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. So lots of ways to get your ghost stories to us. We would love to hear them. That's how it all works. Let's kick off the show tonight with a letter that comes in to us from uh, from Tony. All right. Hello, Tony and Jenny. This is Tony from Savannah, a relative on my dad's side of the family had an accident at the age of two years old. I'll just call him Roger for privacy's sake. Roger was helping his father change a tire when the car slowly rolled from the lift and rolled next to his head and pinned it to the concrete. Well, that's disturbing. Yeah. That's not the way to go. No. And it was like kind of the uh, that's how one of the uh, characters in Sopranos ended. Really? Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't a good thing. His father rushed him to the hospital where he was later released. The doctors said they saw no Well, he lived?
1: Yeah, he lived.
0: Oh jeez.
1: A 2-year-old.
0: Oh my god.
1: It doesn't sound like it rolled up onto his head, it just pinned his head.
0: Either way, that's still one of those things I just cringe at the idea of. I know. The doctor said they saw no damage at the time, except a couple of bruises and slight swelling, and just to monitor him. Fast forward three years later, Roger was exiting the bus from school when his mother looked out and saw him talking to himself. Roger was an only child at the time, and his parents would both hear him having an in-depth conversation with himself. Fast forward five years later, Roger would start telling stories of the man who has been his friend for years and that he's been starting to tell him to do things to the house. It soon escalated to doing things to the family pet, then his parents. Roger started getting headaches and started complaining about a man screaming in his ear at night. His parents took him to neurological specialists to figure out what was going on with Roger. They found that Roger's skull was damaged and that he'd have neurological issues for life. So they ignored his talk of paranormal. Throughout high school, Roger was teased for being a little slower than the other children. But every once in a while, Roger would go into a fit of rage and beat the crap out of his tormentors. Roger left his small border town in Georgia for the Atlanta area, where he later met his future wife. He got a job as a construction worker, which paid pretty well. Things were looking up finally. One day... Roger came home from work and saw his wife crying at the kitchen table. He immediately asked her what was wrong. She said that a coworker of his had assaulted her. The next morning, Roger asked his supervisor to go fishing with him. They went out to the local lake and fished for the day. Roger's supervisor exited the boat when Roger grabbed a huge log and hit his supervisor over the head repeatedly until he crushed his skull. Roger dragged his lifeless body to the large oak tree and propped it up against the tree. Roger stole his wallet and his truck and drove it home. As Roger walked in the door, his wife said that she had been seeing things in the corner of her eyes and hearing doors slam throughout the house during the day. Later that night, as Roger and his wife lie in bed, they heard sirens off in the distance. The next morning, while Roger was in the shower getting ready for work, he heard the knock at the front door, and it was the police. The police took Roger into custody. There was a trial, and Roger was ultimately convicted of first-degree murder. While the trial was going on, Roger kept noticing how close his wife was sitting to a co-worker of his. During the trial, Roger kept talking about the voices in his head, telling him to do things, and he would have outbursts in court saying, Leave me alone. At times, it would take six or seven officers to settle him down. Roger was sentenced to death in 1986 for murder. Over the years, Roger has been heard screaming on death row and would be seen with large scratches all over his body. He would tell guards that the demon has plagued him all of his life and he's begging to die now. He said they won't let him sleep. Roger tried many times to get his death sentence overturned, but to no avail. The last time he tried was 2010. I researched this relative's case for two months, and in between the police, court, and family accounts, this is exactly how things happened. Did he actually see things and hear voices? Were mental health issues the real cause? Or did something demonic take advantage? I may never know. What I do know is that he'll be executed next month.
1: That is such a sad true story. That's
0: a happy little tale for your Tuesday night.
1: I don't know, but I think there's a couple of things going on. I think Roger definitely has some lingering issues from the accident as far as his, you know, his mental state, his mental state, is, you know, behavioral mm-hmm. issues. But I think there's something paranormal going on there, too.
0: What leads you to believe that?
1: Because the wife experienced it, too.
0: With the paranormal things happening around the house as he was doing these things? Yeah. Had that not happened, would you just, would you, there really wouldn't be a whole lot of paranormal
1: to well, the story, would there? I would think that he could have been one of the victims of, you know, paranormal attaching onto somebody who mm-hmm. has issues like that and, you know, has mental instability sure, like they tend to do but i think what kind of clinched it for me was the wife saying things and he's having scratches appear on his body. Yeah. that are inexplicable.
0: What did he plead? Did he plead insanity on the murder or did he
1: I don't remember that he that they, we discussed they, what he pled.
0: Okay. It's very I mean, when, when the wife was having that stuff happen, why do you think that was happening? Do you think it was because there was such an outburst going on with him at the time when he was doing those things that it just the energy traveled all the way back to the house or there was still energy at the house? It was also essentially, look at me. Yeah. Kind of like what it was doing with him at the time.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that she was experiencing yeah. those things at the same time he was becoming really violent.
0: Yeah. yeah that was a very, that was a dark one. Yeah. That was very dark. Thanks for writing, and we do appreciate it. 855-853-4802, of course, our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Toll-free, by the way. And if you want more ghost stories, please consider becoming an EPP. This an extra podcast person. Get a brand new bonus episode every single week sent to you. It's what keeps this ship afloat, so uh, put a little wind in the sails, if you would, and uh, it's only five bucks a month. You get uh, 32 bonus episodes of the show sent directly to you. Some of the best stuff. Stuff, in, in, in my opinion, that we've we've ever had it. It's only for EPPs. Uh, and uh, then you also get a brand new one every single week. So check it out. Please keep us on the air. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click Become an EPP. Let's go uh, over to Karen. And uh, Karen writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Karen from Chicago. I wrote in a while ago. I want to say this past fall and told about the room we found in my basement and the strange things that have happened to me growing up. I also called in telling you the story about my doll and how my cousin in Mexico told me it had the spirit of a little girl. Anyway, I just wanted to write to tell you about my most recent experience. Back in September, I decided to move in with one of my best friends because she was starting a new job, and needed to move closer. I was also starting law school, and it turned out that the location we decided to move to was convenient for the both of us. I was really excited and ready to start new. We found a perfect small apartment studio with a great location and a pretty good price. As soon as I stepped foot into the apartment building, I felt a sense of uneasiness. I felt like I was being watched or someone was behind me. This is most prevalent in the long hallway outside of my apartment. I decided to brush it off as just me being silly. At the end of October, beginning of November, I had a day of dread. Uh, I had a day of the, the dead altar. Oh, oh, day of the dead altar. Okay, I'm, I'm reading it in the wrong tense Yeah. Okay, I had a Day of the Dead altar. Okay, now it makes sense. Altar set up for my uh, grandpa and jokingly told my friend who has spent the night around that time to not worry if she saw an old man in my apartment because it was probably uh, Don, my uh, grandpa, visiting for the Day of the Dead. The next morning, she told me she indeed did see a man by the sink who was just standing there. She told herself it was Don... And went back to sleep. Thing is, I don't know if it was actually him. I'd like to think that if it were him, it would be that I would get a chance to see him. Flash forward a couple months, I was up late in my room running a case brief when I heard what sounded like dragging feet. It was similar to that of someone wearing slippers. It sounded like it was coming from the living room and heading to my bedroom. I was mentally preparing myself to see something, but the dragging stopped as soon as it reached my open bedroom door. I didn't see anything. I decided to return to my work and soon after called it a night. One day, I dozed off on the couch while my friends were talking when I suddenly began to see something. It felt like a dream, but something was different. I was seeing my apartment, but dating back to what seemed to be like the late 1800s or early 1900s. There was a woman caring for children who were running around, while also putting laundry together. My whole apartment looked completely different, and I was even able to make out what the downstairs looked like, which today looks like an empty storefront. In this dream vision, there was indeed a store, but I didn't know what they were selling. The man I saw next, who I'll assume was the owner and the woman's husband, did not look like a nice person. He seemed to be drinking, and had some time of bad energy. None of them saw me. It was like I was watching a movie. I came to my senses soon after, realizing my friends were calling my name. Lastly, last night after uh, binging on some Doctor Who, I decided to call it a night and go to bed. I got ready for bed, turning off the lights, and went to bed. While I was lying down, checking my emails on my phone, I heard a strange sound. It sounded like something was moving in my room, it sounded like it was coming from my door. Moving towards my closet and then to the foot of my bed. I was scared. I thought that if I put my phone down, I was going to see someone standing at the foot of my bed. My heart was racing. I finally got the courage to put my phone down, but nothing was there. I still, however, felt a presence. I turned on my lamp and began praying. I prayed to our Lord and Savior, the Virgin Mary, and my guardian angel. The presence went away, and I was able to fall asleep. I don't know what any of this means. I'm not sure if what I saw of a previous period was indeed just my imagination or if it has something to do with the things I've been experiencing. Sorry for the super long letter and hope to hear this on the show. Thank you for everything and keep up the good work. Love what you guys do and I'd love to hear your feedback. All right, later to share more. Blessings, Karen.
1: I think it's hard to know, obviously, if that was the grandfather that showed up But being that it was around the Day of the Dead and she had an altar specifically for him, Mm -hmm. you know, that might explain that one.
0: I could see being a little perturbed, though, if your grandpa shows up to a stranger and not you, and it's like, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I'm I'm here. Mm -hmm.
0: I, I wonder sometimes, though, how much control do they have when they show up as far as knowing who they're showing up to? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I wonder if, if they have... How do I describe this? In their world, with what they're seeing, the ghosts, if you will, are they actually seeing us when they're not visible to us, or are they just seeing the landscape, not the living? And the only time that they can see us... Is when they make themselves known, like suddenly, oh, filter turns on and there's all the people. Or is it kind of like having really bad eyesight where you sit there and everything's really blurry? You're not quite sure who you're, you're saying. You can tell your general environment, but, mm-hmm. but you don't know who it is until you're out there.
1: That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I like to think that they can see... My thought was maybe he had tried showing up to her and for whatever reason she couldn't see him. Sure. And so that is why she thought just the the roommate was seeing him. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a lack of effort on his part or poor timing. It was just who could or couldn't see him.
0: It's just that's how he could operate. That's how he mm-hmm. could, could make himself known. Yeah, that's interesting. It's just kind of another level of... Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, 855-853-4802. That's her number. You're at Real Ghost Stories Online. You probably already knew that, though. Amy writes in, This happened to me about five or six years ago in a home that I'm currently living in. My friend, her sister, and uh, our husbands and children were all hanging out. It was only the three of us inside the house. We were watching a movie when all of a sudden my friend got really quiet and was staring into space. I tried getting her attention, waving my hand in her face and saying her name with no answer. Okay, weird, I thought. Got up, said, hey, let's go smoke a cigarette. She looked at me. Her face didn't even look like her own. Her eyes even changed color. She stared at me with an evil, creepy grin on her face and got up and walked into my smoking room and sat on the chair. I followed her in. She looked at me again, but wouldn't say anything. I was scared at this point, so I was trying to make conversation with her, and Not once would she answer me. She just kept staring, not blinking at me. I got up and said, let's go in. She followed back in, and her sister had a terrified look on her face. I just shook my head. Just as clueless as her. I said, hey, let's go see what our husbands are doing. My friend looked at me and said, hmm, why would they do that? But it didn't sound like her. She went outside with me, and after about 10 minutes of awkward, creepy silence, she said, Whoa, how did we get out here? She didn't remember what happened in the half hour before that. But a week later, she was at my house again, and she was messing around with me, pushing me, pinching me. She wouldn't leave me alone. I went into the kitchen. I was thinking, actually giggling in my head, what I could do to pay her back. And that's the last thing I remembered till I was literally standing over her with my hands around her neck, telling her to stop. Amy, what are you doing? I immediately let go and said, oh my God, I'm so sorry, what happened? Quick question, because it says on the script here, OMG, do you think she actually said, OMG, I'm so sorry, what happened? Or do you think she actually said, oh my God? Did she speak in the abbreviated terms as she's attempting to kill her friend?
1: I think it depends on how old she is. Younger kids do that. Really? They go, oh my, OMG. Yeah. Even when you're trying to murder someone? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Even in
0: that setting, you still, I think that of any time, let's, you're going to say the real thing.
1: <laughs> let's just go with, it's an abbreviation this time.
0: She said, LOL. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> WTF. And the rest of the story is all text abbreviation, I'm kidding. OMG. I'm so sorry what happened. She said, you came back from the kitchen, came to me, looked at me, and your face looked so weird, and you reached out and started choking me. I think whatever entered her body that day also entered mine. It was terrifying not remembering and doing something so horrible to my close friend. That's it. That's awful. I would say, yeah, there's probably something that entered both of you. I don't know that uh, carbon monoxide would make you want to kill your friends. I don't know. I mean, that can put a big imbalance in, into you. I don't know if that necessarily leads to homicide.
1: Can it cause a blackout? Yeah. it can. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, eventually it will, that's what will happen and you'll die.
1: But it seems like the friend who had this happen first mm-hmm. started her episode when they were actually outside.
0: Okay. I, that, yeah. I... I didn't think it... I mean, if they were both just kind of seeing things here and there and then nothing happened ever again, Mm -hmm. I'd be a candidate for carbon monoxide, but trying to kill each other and... Yeah. Yeah. No, there's something dark
1: going on. There's something definitely dark going on and to, you know, jump in and make them lose that much time and not have any recollection. Because, you know, we've had some stories where people feel like they are taken over And they feel like they're no longer in control, but they're still somewhat conscious Mm -hmm. while it's going on, so they know what happened. They're having complete loss of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there was certainly something dark going on there. As far as what, I don't know. I mean, that's. I I would love to know prior to that, or if they're listening, you know, were you guys involved in anything, you know, that would have called anything up and the recent past, you know, just, you know, it's weird that it just occurred yeah, like that, that, you know, violently, if you will. It's odd. And a very bizarre, bizarre and scary story. I can't imagine going through that and just the guilt that you'd have. Oh yeah. I mean, even if, even if you didn't have control, you know, just what you'd be like, why did I do that? I mean, you'd be, you know, questioning everything about your sanity, I think. Like, when's this going to happen again?
1: Right, but I think the one, I guess, saving grace in the whole story is the fact that the friend had that experience mm-hmm. first. So when she tried to kill her friend... They can both say, friend's well. like, okay, I get it. I had that happen last week. And I'm not trying to make light of the story, but the yeah. fact that, you know, she could relate, that it wasn't just, you tried to kill me and tried to blame yeah. it on a blackout. It's
0: like, now we're even. Yeah. Yeah, and a sick... Bizarre, dark way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 855-853-4802. That's our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Shabs writes in, in a previous episode, Tony mentioned that he did not know much about an entity called jinn. Uh In the Islamic faith, the jinn are spirits, not a human ghost, which coexist in our world with human beings. They can be good or bad, just as you can have good persons or a bad person. Jinns can take on human-looking forms and can choose to manifest themselves to you. Bad jinns can attach themselves to you or even possess you, usually through being contacted by people who meddle in the dark arts. I have a story regarding a gin affecting a relative of mine, if you would be interested in hearing. Thank you for the great show. Shabs, I'm an EPP. would encourage other people to subscribe, as it is the only, it's only the cost of a latte in the UK, which is not needed anymore, as your stories do a good job keeping me awake. <laughs> well, thank you. We've replaced caffeine. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> wow. I thought that was really interesting because that's not something we ever throw into the mix as far as possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you and I both need to look into more mm-hmm. as far as what separates the gin from a regular apparition or a dark entity. And, you know, because that's that's kind of something that I almost wonder if maybe that's part of what doppelgangers are.
0: Can a djinn, I mean, is it really just another word for another ghost? It's just that's what that that faith calls it? Or, or do you have to be a part of that faith to be attacked by a djinn? I mean, I, I'm just, I'm wondering, as far as terminology goes, is that just what that belief system refers to as a ghost? You know, because, I mean, really, the definition fits ghosts and and other facets of ghosts that we talk about. It's just more so the name that's changed, if you will. You know what I mean?
1: I, yeah, I know, but it seems like we have people that are using both terms in their vocabulary as far as ghosts, so sure. I'm not real clear on the distinction between the two. That's something I want to find out more okay. about, because there's people that are using both those terms, they're using gen for a specific reason versus mm-hmm. using ghost. Sure. So I don't know.
0: I would be interested to learn even more but I thank him for enlightening me yeah. on that right away. I mean, because it's, it's something that I, I have wondered about. So let's learn more.
1: Do, 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 do. Quit doing that, <laughs> whatever that thing is that you are doing. It's the more you know. Yeah, quit that. Why? NBC stopped it like 30 years ago, so stop it.
0: But I wish they'd bring it back. Now it lives on here in eternity on Real Ghost Stories Online.
1: <laughs> Great.
0: Let's go over to uh, Jennifer. Jennifer writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Jennifer, too. I'm a longtime listener, first time emailer to the show. I discovered your podcast when my husband introduced me to it, and I've been hooked over ever since. I'm running because Tony mentioned something recently. He mentioned something about dark energies, possibly attaching them th- themselves to people. I have often wondered if that wasn't the case with my mother. My mother was a bit of a superstitious woman to begin with, but in it seems to me that she and my father lived in one too many haunted homes. The last home they owned seemed to be the worst, though, as far as the hauntings go. There were often things happening. Things like uh, what sounded like a room full of people talking when there was no one in the room. Things being moved and footsteps in the hall. I myself had the experience of having something seemingly thrown at me, along with seeing things move on their own. My mother and father often had the feeling of someone sitting on the side of their bed. It was so bad for a while that they eventually got an entirely new bed. Same thing happened. Things got much weirder for my mother, though. Things just seemed to happen to her more often than the rest of us. One day, my mom was busy doing work around her home when her deceased sister appeared to her. She appeared to her with a warning. The warning was, be careful. Watch out behind you and be very careful. She vanished only to reappear a moment later with the same warning, to be careful. Mom never knew what the warning was about. Another time her brother, who had it been dead for a few years at this point, called her on the phone. He told her that he was indeed alive and well, that he'd see her the following day. He never showed up again. One night, Mom was woken up during the middle of the night. Someone was shaking her and telling her it was time to get up. Everyone else in the house was sound asleep. Things like this went on for years. In some ways, we all just sort of became used to it. I don't know if it was drawn to my mother, and perhaps I decided to go away after her passing. I honestly do not know. The only thing that's really happened since her passing, just over sixteen years ago now, happened just a month or so after her passing. My brother and I had long before moved away. On the same morning, around three or so in the morning, all of our doors opened up. My brother, who's also a night owl like myself, was in his family room, When he saw his door open and close He swore that the door had been locked I watched the same thing happen in my home miles away And I've always kept my doors locked My door opened and closed as if someone had walked in My father heard his door open And walked in just in time to see it closing by itself We all took it to be mom Her way of saying that she was still watching over us Mom had a good sense of humor and liked to play pranks on us and scare us when we were younger, so this is something she would do. Thanks to the podcast. It's a nightly ritual now for my husband and I to listen to. Tony, I live in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, for years, and I miss the state dearly. It's nice to hear you mention things about places I've been to. and for forever telling my husband that I was there or trying to explain to him where said place was located in Wisconsin. You do have a great sense of humor, sir. Jenny, I too married a man with a similar sense of humor to your uh, to your Tony's. You have my sympathies, dear lady. Ha ha, keep up the good work, both of you, and thank you for the show. It's nice to know that there's others with similar experiences out there.
1: It sounds like the mom was just extremely sensitive.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: And it just sounds like, yeah, she probably did come back and want to let you guys know that she was coming in and checking on you and messing with your doors. So, I don't know what much else to add other than that. It, it it to me,
0: if that was a mom doing that, it kind of answers some of the question about like time and space and what uh what restrictions they they may or may not have. Also, because if if it's doing the same thing like moving the doors and stuff in two totally different areas. Mm-hmm. Um Ghost mom doesn't have to find transportation. Can just kind of show up wherever it wants, whenever it wants. Sure. Which I always kind of wondered that about things like if you're a ghost and let's say you have like let's say have kids spread out across the country, and you have like a limited amount of time to show up and do something. Do you can you only pick one like the one closest in proximity to where you died? Uh, or can you just pick one and go there, or can you like go bam, 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 like Santa?
1: Okay, well, it sounds like she went like Santa and hit all of them at almost the same time.
0: Or the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Or the Tooth Fairy.
1: So I don't really know if it's an either or, if some can do one or mm-hmm. some can do another. I don't know, but I think it was the three of them at the same time for a reason because sure. all three of them would, would question, you know, who would be doing that? It had to have been mom. Sure. Or can you do it?
0: Can they do it simultaneously too? Or is it like in succession of like, okay, I'm going to do this one, I'm going to go over here and do this there, and then do this one there? Or can they like literally happen simultaneously with one person? I'm not trying to be smart. I'm, like, seriously asking this question.
1: And I seriously don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Because I don't know how fast they can travel from one place to another. Because it could almost be in our frame of reference, you know, say, hey, yesterday afternoon I saw my door open and close by itself. Yeah. Well, yesterday afternoon could be 1 o'clock all the way to, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever. So... It might be that it wasn't the exact same moment that they all three had the experience, but they were all three relatively close in time. It's like
0: the rules of time and space kind of go away when you're a ghost.
1: I think so, because you're not going to die and you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be around all the time, so there doesn't need to be time.
0: Sure. That seems to make sense. It really does. John writes in, having been sensitive my entire life, I'm not saying I'm psychic, but I've always been able to feel things. If I walked into a building or even sometimes a room, i have been able to pick up on things. If the place just felt bad, negativity, even once to the point of being physically ill. My grandmother's side of my family was from Kentucky, and she told me it was called Second Sight. She said that there had been people with the gift on her side of the family for as long as she could remember. As I got older... I got into history and found it interesting to walk through rural cemeteries and read headstones. On one such outing, I was wandering through a small hilltop family plot, just taking my time reading each headstone and thinking how some of the families that had founded our country were still present. In our area of Texas, I'm not sure about any place else. The fever came through in about 1918, and a lot of families lost loved ones. I was walking along when I noticed a tall marker flanked by three small ones on the side and two that were a bit larger on the other. I stopped and started to read them. The largest was a woman, the three smallest, her children. The two somewhat larger ones were her first husband's and her second husband, all claimed in the year 1918 by the fever epidemic that swept through our area. The sad thing was the woman had survived and lived to old age. I was standing there thinking how sad and how hard it must have been on her and was thinking what her life must have been like without thinking. I reached out and rested my hand on top of her stone. That in itself was odd because I had never done this before. All I can say is it suddenly felt like someone had dropped a heavy, wet quilt on me and I felt such an intense emotion. I lost sense of even where I was for a couple of moments. I felt overwhelming sadness, loneliness, fear, and even total panic. I yanked my hand back and fought the urge to just turn and run to the gate and leave, but I managed to walk to the gate, but all the way feeling dread like something horrible was following me. I got to the gate, spun around, and closed it. Got to my car, shaking so hard I couldn't get the door open. All I could think about doing was praying out loud and saying how sorry I was. I'm not sure I was apologizing. It was 11 miles back to town, and I had to pull my car over when I got into town, where I could at least see other people around and calm myself down. It took several months before I could manage to go back to that family plot, but I did. I didn't touch that woman's stone again, but I did walk up to her burial site and tell her how sorry I was for her, and that I prayed for her and her family. P.S. I have a best friend who is president of the, the County Historical Commission here. On Memorial Day, one of her jobs is to place flags on all the veterans' graves, even in the small family plot. I told him what had happened to me there. He just kind of looked at me and looked at the ground and smiled and said, John, I won't even go in there without carrying my Bible. For what it's worth, second sight, as my granny called it, isn't as much of a gift as it is a curse.
1: I think if you're sensitive, you just... You have to be careful. And I know you probably weren't really thinking too much about it when you touched the headstone... But I think you absorbed all the emotion that she carried with her for all those years, all at once. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard enough if you're going to live a lifetime with those emotions, let alone getting an extra dose of it all at once. So you just, yeah, it's weird. You have to be careful because if you touch something and you get a weird feeling, it's not you. It's something that's being you know almost projected at you
0: are you ready for this analogy here we go spiritual shamwow
1: as far as absorbing everything around yep okay it's a good one isn't it it works <laughs> so yes it works a spiritual shamwow
0: you are a spiritual ShamWow. Do they even sell those anymore? I don't think oh, so. It's been a long time. Wasn't that guy like arrested for something or was something weird that happened with him? I forgot. I don't know. He was doing like the, uh, the quick chop too. And then he was like on TMZ a couple of weeks later. We were like, oh, it was, it was something not so great. I forgot what it was.
1: Okay. But
0: uh, well, yeah, I mean, but, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's like one of those things. Everyone else out there, sponges. Okay? You can kind of pick up on some things if it's really, you know, really showing itself. But the ShamWow, that'll suck up anything. Okay. So, that, I mean that's, that's what I'm saying. The second sight, the empathic mm-hmm. folks, people with, with that sort of a, a gift, if you will, or curse, as it was put there, ShamWow is... <clears throat>
1: Yes. So just as a warning (laughs) to anybody who's sensitive, you know, I think with that much sadness in a small area like that, you just have to be careful touching things. And sometimes you don't even have to touch things. Just being in the general vicinity, you can get that overwhelming sadness. I mean, here, this poor woman had her, what, three children die and both her husbands. And, um, I believe he was referring to the, Influenza epidemic of 1918. Yeah, so that was worldwide.
0: Yeah, that would be horrible. I mean, just trying to live on life. Very interesting, very interesting story. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for uh, for writing that in. Sarah writes in: It was 2008. I was 18 and fresh out of high school. With my best friend, but a retirement home. Her aunt and uncle owned in a town not far from mine. I can't imagine more than 500 people occupying the town. This place is basically a regular house long ranch-styled home was built it was a bit outdated with wood paneling and green carpet, my kind of place. They had been an extension added on the back of the house. It was a large extension off the kitchen. The outer walls were all windows that looked out onto a large deck and into the backyard. Large sliding doors sectioned off the area into two separate rooms which were used for temporary visitors and those who who needed especially close monitoring. Eight women were living in the home when I started. This was basically capacity for us. It was a place for women to go who didn't need a nursing home but couldn't live on their own. Well, in most cases, anyway. Some just simply couldn't afford nursing homes and this was an alternative. I worked graveyard shift. I monitored them through the night and assisted them to the bathroom when it was needed. I had a woman named Molly pass away in my arms while turning her a few few months prior to this event. She was unresponsive and bedridden the entire time I had worked there, so I didn't get to know her or build a bond. I was glad she finally escaped the confines of her body when she went. Lori, on the other hand, I was close with. She had told me about her life and the trouble she used to get into as a child, like how she would sneak into the dime dances and sneak cigarettes. She had a touch of dementia and would often ask to sit on the front porch to wait for her husband. She had died 20 years, or he had died 20 years prior. It was always sad to bring her back inside knowing she was confused why he hadn't come for her. One day before I came to work, she had suffered a stroke. Half of her face was limp and sagging. From that point on, she was lethargic and always seemed to be in pain, pitifully moaning every so often. We all knew her time was ticking, but you'd be surprised how hard some people cling. A few weeks later, she had another stroke, and this one put her in a bed. She could still muster a few words here and there, but eating was rough for her. We decided to move her out of her room and into the extension so we could monitor her better. The first day we moved her into the new room, a bright red cardinal began flying into the windows frantically. We all just stood in the kitchen watching it bang itself against the windows over and over again, waiting for it to kill itself. Eventually, we just carried on while the bird continued its futile attempts. That night I read Lori some Bible passages. I'm not religious, but these ladies were all deeply Catholic and it was all I could really do for her. She began to smile and talk to the corner of the room, asking things like, "'What are you doing here?' "'And it's so good to see you.' This began happening all the time, and I'll admit it was spooky, but what was really strange was what happened over the next three weeks leading up to her death. The Cardinal smashed into the window day and night every day without letting up. The whole staff was on edge because of the bird, not just because it was only attacking Lori's window, but because the noise was so annoying.' I was with Lori the night she passed, just like with Molly. I was turning her, and she exhaled her final breath in my arms. I had heard this before and knew right away. I set her down, checked her vitals, and called my boss so he could alert the family. I combed her hair and cleaned her up so she looked nice for her family. I was upset that she was gone, but knew she was no longer suffering. It wasn't until I set the comb down that I realized the Cardinal had stopped banging onto the window. It showed up the day she was put into the room and disappeared the last day she left.
1: You think the Cardinal was the spirit of somebody that she used to love, like her husband?
0: I could see that. I, I kind of associate Cardinals with that.
1: hmm Yeah, I've heard that um, the Cardinals are somebody that you've lost checking in on you.
0: Yeah. It, it's it's very interesting. Um. Yeah, I, I would go with that. I mean, it like just kind of, and she's seeing things at that time. She's um, experiencing what a lot of folks who are in that state experience. Right. Right right towards the end. And the bird going at it, I think almost, it, it makes you wonder, I mean, how much of it, you know, that, that when people are seeing these other people and having these conversations with unseen individuals, um, a lot of it gets written off as well. It's it's dementia. It's, you know, this or that. I don't know. I mean, I I think at that point you're beginning to cross over and you're starting to see these people legitimately. Yeah. And it's not so much dementia. I mean, is there part of that that could be going on there as your body shuts down? Sure. I mean, but I don't write it all off as that.
1: No, I think there's something going on. At least... Whether it's biological or psychological or paranormal, it's...
0: I think it's a little bit of everything going on at that point in time. At
1: at least it seems to be a comfort to most of the people that are in that end state.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the comfort is the most important thing. But I think, realistically, I think there's a bit of all of it going on. Yeah. You know, and then it's it's very hard to... It's probably difficult for that individual to uh, decipher Mm -hmm. between what is... What, And then uh, virtually impossible for anybody on the outside to decipher what is what. But I really believe it's a little bit of everything that's going on at that point in time.
1: I think so, too.
0: So. 855-853-4802 is our number. K writes in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. I'd like to remain anonymous, but you can call me K. Love your podcast. I've always been interested in the paranormal, but I have never had a distinct experience myself. However, I have many friends that I know who do and have paranormal experiences, but those are stories for another day. Today I'd like to tell you about my brother and his best friend. I'll call them C and F, respectively. It seems that they cannot die. Both of them have done many stupid things and, as a result, have gone through many near-death experiences, but always somehow seem to make it out. When C was born, he had problems with his colon. He could not move food through his digestive tract properly, and bacteria were building up in his intestines. He came very close to death, but the doctors managed to realize what was happening, and in time we were able to perform a surgery that saved him. I was about five or six, and C was four or five, and my parents started building the house we live in now. C was inside working with his dad, and my mom was taking me back to the trailer we were living in while the house was being built. As I left, something told me to turn around. I noticed one of the wires by the door we had gone out was on fire. It was small enough that all the adults had just stepped over it, but I was little enough to see it clearly. I told my mom and dad, and they ran out to turn the power off so the fire would stop. There's no fire extinguishers in the house yet, and it was all made of dry wood, so... Had the uh, fire spread, I believe it would have been fatal, and I believe whatever told me to turn around is whatever is protecting my brother. When C was 12, we were doing a community service project at our church. The adults were using nail guns for some reason, and one of them accidentally shot his at the ground. The nail somehow bounced and ended up burying itself in C's head. Somehow, however, it went around his skull and He was able to pull it out without any difficulty and had no further problems due to the potentially fatal accident. As for F, when F was 14, he got his second diagnosed concussion while playing soccer. It was actually his fifth concussion, but since the other three weren't diagnosed, they didn't count. He ended up having to go to the hospital and literally had to sit in a hospital bed doing absolutely nothing for two weeks since the doctor said any brain stimulus would be dangerous for him. After a week, a mysterious fluid started leaking out of his nose. The doctors tested it and found out that it was basically his brain. F was now at high risk of meningitis, and the doctors said death was a possibility. However, F miraculously made a full recovery and was cleared to play soccer again. F has had more near-death stories, but I don't, have, but I don't live with him, so I don't know them as well as I know C's. As C, F, and I have grown up, we and all our friends have become cognizant of their apparent immunity to death and even joke about it. Whatever is protecting them from whatever is trying to kill them is still at work and has saved them from so many other instances that C and F have started saying that they are allergic to death. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Could C and F be protected by angels? Is an entity following them to keep them out of trouble? So that they can do something important? Are there separate entities involved in these instances? Or is it all just some big fat coincidence that they've been able to be alive through all of this? I'm curious to know what you think.
1: Okay, I don't think it's a coincidence. I have no idea if it's more than one entity following them, but I do think something's protecting them, but why I don't know.
0: I think it's one of those things where I, 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 I go back to everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. There is some reason that they are being kept alive. There's something that they must do, probably individually. And is it a guardian angel? You could call it that. You could call it whatever you want to call it. I think it's some force that uh, it's still they're They still yet have something to do.
1: They do. They have a purpose.
0: However, <laughs> once that purpose is reached... They better take it easy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the trick is knowing what your purpose is and when you've achieved it, then being very careful.
0: Do you think once you've reached your purpose in life and you've done whatever, you know, your main things are to do that you're done affecting other people to a a very big extent that uh, all the uh, the extra help of keeping you alive goes away? (laughs) call it a guardian angel, call it whatever, and then you're on your own And until you accidentally kick it yourself or something kicks it for you?
1: I guess kind of for those that have something following them, helping them along like CNF have mm-hmm. here, um, I don't want to say that I think you just lose all the help once you've you know reached what you're supposed to do, nor do I want to say that you die when your purpose is up because a lot of people die far too young. Sure. When they had so much potential and so much they could have offered the world. Sure. So I don't want to say it's all or nothing on that, but mm-hmm. I get the feeling that CNF have something coming up, but regardless, they just got to be careful. And it doesn't sound like anything was on purpose or that. Reckless, you know. I mean, no. a ricochet is a freak accident being hit in the head with a nail. That
0: there's not a whole lot you can do to prevent that. No, and see then that coming.
1: you know, concussions you can play soccer a lot and not get a concussion, sure. but you know, maybe lay off that a little bit. Have you ever had a concussion? No, you
0: no. I was just going to ask, I was going to say, what's it like, but.
1: I. What well, makes you think I've had a concussion? I don't know.
0: <laughs> because I didn't know you for the first 20-some years of your life, and maybe, I don't know.
1: I was athletic for about a year. Sure. And after that, not so much. You know, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I'm surprised I haven't
0: had one either, because we're both klutzy individuals. We are
1: very klutzy. That
0: we, neither of us have had one.
1: I mean, I've hurt my leg twice this past weekend just being me in two separate instances and it hurts as we speak yeah
0: interesting it was a very interesting story yeah just how that you know it 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 reminds me somewhat of the uh, the final destinations but they're making it you know past the potentially horrific things but uh, very interesting story so thank you for uh, for writing in and sharing it with us we really do appreciate it if you like the show please consider supporting it becoming an EPP that's an extra podcast person 32 bonus episodes come your way when you become that and you get a brand new one every single week as well and you get the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping this show afloat without our EPPs that would not be happening so we're going to keep uh, hearing the shows Keep it going every day. Uh, Please uh, consider uh, throwing in the pot. Only five bucks a month is all we ask. Check that out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com Until next time, for Jenny Brewski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.